Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, IndyCar fans. This is Nathan Brown, your Motorsports Insider with the Indianapolis Star for a special edition of this week's IndyCar Weekly Podcast. I'm joined here by the, uh, for the first time, we can introduce him as the driver of the number 45 High V Honda for Ray Hall, Letterman, Lanigan Racing. It's my co-host Jack Harvey to talk about yesterday's news where he and uh, Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan Racing were finally able to announce publicly that Jack will be driving the number 45 on a multi-year deal moving forward heading into the 2022 IndyCar season and beyond. I know it's um, some news that a lot of us had um, you know, certainly speculated about, but caught even, uh, I mean, frankly, I'll admit even me a little bit off guard with the news that it would be, uh, the 45, not the 30 that, um, we had some, some good jokes and laughs about that on yesterday's, uh, IndyCar media zoom call, obviously something you had known Jack for quite some time, but did you get a a little Mm -hmm. bit of a kick out of, um, you know, maybe catching some folks off guard and still having a little bit of new news to share that, um, that, uh, was a surprise to some folks yesterday. Ah, for sure. I mean, it was nice to, uh, you know, have a little something extra up our sleeve. Uh, you know, when I went to the, the factory to film uh, the content for the announcement videos and whatnot, uh, you know, we said that we thought it people would get a kick out of, well, at least would be a little bit surprised seeing that it was going to be the 45 because obviously I'd, everyone had speculated that we would be moving there, uh, but also that we'd just be going straight into the, the 30. And as it's my understanding that I will have a lot of the 30 crew uh, and engineering staff. Uh, it's just with the number 45, I guess, High V were, you know, excited at, uh, you know, what we could do together and I ended up getting uh, put in that car. But um yeah, I, I didn't. I didn't really. I don't care about the car number. I just want the cars to be fast and competitive. And I know we're going to get that at RLL. And to be honest with you, it was so nice yesterday just to finally be able to put out what we're doing. Um, you know, getting asked about it a lot, and ultimately not being able to always give a very good answer. Uh, apart from, oh, you know, let's wait and see. You know, sometimes there's a little. Um, not repetitive, you know, I understand that's the way it goes. It's just nice to be able to have it all out there in the open, finally. Absolutely. Um, well, I will uh, have a handful of, of questions for you, thoughts we can go back and forth on. And, then, of course, we've got some great questions from folks on Twitter uh, that chimed in uh, a good amount for this episode. I know lots of folks had been very curious and understandably had some questions. The first thing um, that 
that stood out to me, which I dove into a little bit in a story that published this morning on IndieStar.com, was how complimentary you guys, um, between you and your history, particularly this year, uh, with the strength in qualifying and the Ray Hall team bringing a, just a dose of consistency, stability, um, and the idea that in, in lots of ways, it's something I think both of you guys had kind of been searching for a little bit. One of the stats I found was that um, this year of, uh, you know, across the whole paddock from teams that competed full season, um, Ray Hall, Letterman, Lanigan was, I think, one of only three teams not to place a driver in the top three in qualifying at any race this year. And uh, you, did, of course, did so yourself. Um, I think it was three times. Um and, uh, you know, on the other end of that, Graham, um, I think, only had one driver that had more top seven finishes uh, than he did all year. And that, of course, was uh, series champion Alex Pillow. So there's a lot of, um, I think, maybe your guys' strengths in lots of ways can complement each other going forward. Is that something that played a, a decent role when you were thinking about uh you know, what might be able to lure you away possibly from, um, you know, extending your future at Meyer Shank Racing? It was a big part of it, to be honest with you. Um, you know, I think at that, especially that time of the season, you know, I felt like we were qualifying, you know, very, very strongly. Um, you know, and our, our Sundays just weren't coming together. And, you know, naturally, you look back on the races and I, you know, I rewatch every race. Uh, just because I think it gives a good perspective, and you just remember, I just remember thinking like, how do they always get Graham to the front? You know, and even when I've been racing with him, it seems like his tire deck has always been very strong. And I can't remember exactly what track it was, but I remember just coming back, going, well, if he could qualify like the the 60 and race like the 15, you know, he probably <laughs> have quite a strong, you know, season there. And um, you know, I think in reality, that's the kind of season that Alex Palou did have, uh, you know, and is is achievable and I think the the first few conversations that I had with everybody at RLL was, I think across the board, me to them, them to me, is really recognizing that our strengths as individuals at that time could really come together in an extremely strong way, recognizing that we had been qualifying well and we'd had some unlucky results on the race and then them feeling like they needed to take a step in qualifying performance, but obviously having very good races more often than not. So, yes, I mean, naturally, the the hope is that we can both continue doing those areas very well and come together and just put it together in one weekend. Um, yeah, and I think that really seeing, uh, seeing those performances week in, week out was definitely a big factor in, in the end why we made a, uh, why I made a switch. Yeah, the, the, driver that you will be um you know kind of i guess somewhat pseudo taking over for as you mentioned uh takuma sato who's who drove the number 30 uh but a lot of who's a lot of uh, uh sato's crew and, and engineers and whatnot will be transferring over to your program i think this year was credited with uh which i i didn't know that this award you know, existed previously but what's called the uh, hard charger award that IndyCar honors at the end of the year, which goes to the person that made up the most 
spots from start to finish cumulatively over uh, an entire season. I think this year the number was 88. Um, so, you know, that goes from, say, starting 15th and, you know, you finish 6th, you make up 9 spots and you add those up over a season and Taku had... 88. Uh, I, I did did some looking. I think Graham had was like second or third in the series last year with 44. It's not necessarily a stat that you want to be <laughs> leading, I guess, because yeah. it, it it means that you're you know starting mid pack, doing a great job of making up those spots, but then oftentimes um, you know finishing up you know in the top top eight, top ten or so. I wrote in my story today that. Um, Someone like uh, Alex Pillow and I think Pato Ward, um, Scott Dixon, Joseph Newgarden, most of them either cumulatively this year either made up one spot total or lost one spot total, uh, and you see where they finished. So it's, it's obviously a lot better to start near the front and finish near the front, but at least you know that um, this car, um, you know, say on a bad day, um, you know, can, can do a lot in, in moving up toward the front. And frankly, we saw a lot of that out of your season this year. I think, what, two of the last three race uses, you made up a dozen or more spots yeah. in the race. Um, so we've seen that you can make up some spots. We've seen that you can qualify well. This seems like um, a place where you can take some of those strengths, add in your your qualifying capabilities, and, and hopefully turn this team into a, um, a, a season championship contender that I know you and Bobby both talked about um, wanting to, to create on yesterday's Zoom call. When you, out, outside of the team's on-track capabilities, um, what what did you connect the most with when it came to sitting down and talking with Bobby or talking with Mike or Piers Phillips or, or even Graham over the last couple months as this all came, get, came together? Uh... I mean, a lot of things. Uh, I would say probably the the big ticket items, you know, from my side was, you know, how keen I felt like all the members of all the people you just mentioned were keen to have me as a part of the team. Uh, You know, I think that's a a big thing for me. I think it should be a big thing for a lot of people is going somewhere where I was feeling valued, really. Uh, you know, and obviously I know that I was feeling valued at MSR because I did get offered, you know, a contract extension. Um, you know, but I would say, you know, the hunger and the passion, the direction that the team is going uh, is is like in place and is about to happen. And I just really enjoyed the the respectful way that, you know, Bobby wanted, you know, to proceed on, you know, the... I said the initial negotiations, it all actually happened quite quickly. Uh, you know, there wasn't like a, you know, many months sort of drawn out, you know, like just trying to everybody put the pieces together. It all actually did happen, you know, quite quickly. And it was really just the, the honesty and the ambition of the team, recognizing like where they are now, where they want to be from in all departments of the team, you know, from on track to commercial, just to operational. I feel like it's a team that's ready to win and they already have been, you know, I think that's the important thing. You know, I remember I was, Sakuma won the 500 in 2020, you know, and I had a lot of respect for Graham for what he's achieved from when they were a single car team. So obviously continued success after that. And I really just got the, the sense and the feeling that the team was, 
uh, on the precipice of having something really awesome happen and that was something I wanted to be uh, be involved in, obviously. And I feel like from, from my side, although I still feel like there's areas I want to work on and improve on, obviously, that I also feel ready to go and take a step up and try and compete for, for wins a little more regularly. And I think that was, you know, you look at our season and for sure the last uh, two races, also the last, uh, two of the last three, I think we did. We did win that hard, hard charger award. <laughs> uh, but it's not really the one you want to win. You know, you really want to start on pole and win the race. You know, that's like the last place you want to be. You want to. I think the you want to have the best start position versus best finishing position. Um, you know, so certainly as a team, we showed we could do it this season. However, whenever we had a great starting position, we didn't turn that into anything. Um, and I think that was the the frustrating part of the season and when qualifying didn't go well for whichever reason whether it was you know me stuffing it in the wall at Long Beach or having an issue in Portland in those moments we had a great ability to move forward but you're realistically not going to achieve what we all want to achieve doing that every weekend um, and I think just the honesty straight away about look this is where we think our strengths are from the outside this is what we perceive your strengths to be I think we had a very similar read on all of that. And ultimately, you know, when it came time for it, I made the decision to to make a change. But there was a lot of things that drew me to the team. And to be honest, I sat down with my manager kind of early in the season and we were talking about 22, obviously knowing that I was coming into the end of my contract. And honestly, just wanted to make sure that, you know, at that moment that there was going to be an offer from anywhere, really, including MSR at the time. Um, I wouldn't have wanted to leave MSR without knowing that I was going into a great team and scenario and there was only a couple of people that we really put on that list. It just so happens one of them came to the table and we were able to put it together because, uh, and not that this really means anything now, but to stay at uh, MSR, I know what areas I think we should be improving. I know the steps that you could take to try and do that. I know it's going to be a successful team. But I still made the decision to make a change. I think that's how in uh, how interested I was into pursuing this this path and how much I believed in uh, you know RLL as a team and that we as a as a group of people and as a come together and have a fantastic season. You mentioned that um, something like this came together rather quickly. I know we first started to hear some rumblings about it. Um, you know, either I can't quite remember whether it was late July or early August. Um, uh, and I know some of that, I'm sure that can vary from situation to situation, whether it's, you know, a span of a couple of days or even just a couple of weeks to, a you know, a long drawn out, you know, multi month, you know, contract negotiation back and forth. I know you can't go into all of the details, but, um, can you give us just some sort of a sense, um, you know, when you're a, of, what it's like to be a driver in a contract year and how you go about, um, you know, starting to explore what your options might be and what the, you know, that like, I guess probably middle of the summer, that time frame when we start to talk a little bit more about silly season, what that's like, 
to navigate as a as a driver that's trying to decide whether they're going to stay, whether they're going to have an opportunity to stay, or or whether they're going to go out and uh, and and try something new as you have. Well, I can only really speak for for myself and for you know my management group and our stance really was we were hoping that there would be a contract offer from MSR. Um, and for a long time, that was the only offer on the table, although we were, you know, a little bit apart on some aspects of the contract. Um, you know, I, I never, I didn't really have a desire to leave unless we felt like someone was going to put something in front of us that we could believe in and would entice us in. And then it just so happens that Ray Hall did come to the table. Um, you know, and after that, I would say in terms of make get or getting an agreement in place that was very quick and easy um you know i think i think i said this on the call yesterday i think listening to people i don't think i don't see any harm uh in that and especially in the racing world things move so quickly you know there'd been a couple of conversations but obviously didn't really know what uh how are these things were going to play out and you know like i said to a lot of people i, I was ha i'm happy you know i was happy at msr um and I've always been, well, again, the lesson that my mum and dad taught me, the only offer that you have is the one in front of you. And, you know, I don't like to speculate on, you know, if, if the offer had come later or, you know, what could have happened here and there, you know, because ultimately you, you make the decision based on everything that's been happening in front of you, you know, at the moment, um, you know, and speculating on, you know, coulda, woulda, shouldas, and what ifs is a dangerous game to play. And, you know, ultimately, I would never bluff with my career either. I've worked a long time to be in this position. But when it actually got close, all them things went very quickly. But it's, uh, you know, and this is, like I said to, to Michael and Jim after, and I hope they believe me on this. It, it wasn't an opportunity that I was going and seeking. I wasn't shopping you know, myself around the paddock or anything like that. It was just a simple case of, uh, you know, RLL reached out and um, in the end put something really interesting on the table that we wanted to pursue. Um, you know, and after that, some of the other things that happened, I think would be better just to be left as, uh, you know, private and, you know, maybe over time, some of them things inevitably, you know, surface, but, um, you know, I would I would say that everybody had a a good opportunity to to do it and uh, you know to get a deal done and RL was the place that I felt probably wanted it to happen the most and uh, you know they made it happen. I know there were we we talked. I mean, I imagine probably on this this podcast and you were asked a little bit following um, Texas. Uh, you I think even mm. whether. Whether you meant to or not, um, you know, maybe had dropped something uh -huh. about uh, l last Friday when we taped about making uh, some interesting, ironic friends at Texas um, after the little, um, not actual run-in, but maybe close call that you had with Graham there, and there was a little bit of a back and forth there. And I know you you said on the the call yesterday um, that really didn't take too long to to smooth things out between the two of you. Just kind of. We're able to discuss that after the race and um, and either ended back up on good terms or perhaps maybe even better terms than you guys had been on before. What? Just tell me a little bit about what 
um, your relationship with uh, with Graham is like and uh, and what you're looking forward to in, in fat having him as uh, a new teammate. <laughs> well, I mean, Texas was a funny one because, I mean, right at that time was, you know, just walking down the pit lane uh, was probably the first bit of contact I'd had with uh, Piers. And he just said, you know, what are your plans for next year? And I said, well, you know, I'm hoping to have a job, really. And that was, uh, I thought that was kind of funny, especially with everything that was going on. And in terms of like the actual race itself, you know, Graham felt like I squeezed him a bit hard, uh, you know, and I watch it back and, I, you know, I, I I do think I squeezed him a little hard, but, you know, only 10% too hard. Uh, and then that was what I said to him. So I know there was, you know, not necessarily like words on pit lane, uh, maybe more like in interviews. I would say, well, I knew that he probably wasn't too, too happy, but I also wasn't, uh, I was confused why I wasn't that happy because he still managed to get by. It's not like I chopped him and he ended up in the wall. You know, or anything like that, mm-hmm. um, and that was that was the simplest thing to sort out. He dropped me a text and said, "Hey, I just want to have a chat." I went to his trailer, and it was the most calm conversation I think I've had with another driver ever. You know, and it was a case of he wasn't, you know, he wasn't waving his hands in the air. He wasn't, you know, effing and jeffing in my face or anything like that. It was just a case of, you know, he felt like I squeezed him too hard, and I said, "Yep, yeah, you know, I I'll take my my portion of." Uh, that blame and I was like I will squeeze you so that your like, wheels are at the at the bottom but you know I won't do any more than that and that was really the end of it I think that was one of them things that you know kind of wasn't really a thing kind of was trying to be a thing but then ultimately <laughs> and I, you know me and Graham have chatted about this after it wasn't a thing you know I went into the race you know on uh, on, on race two the same attitude and same mentality and you know i say with everybody you know I, i'm happy to admit when i've got it a little wrong or you know there's something i should do you know different or better uh, and that was one of them you know but it, it certainly wasn't drawn into being anything I, you know when i look back on the aftermath i think a, a lot of that also was as a as a team uh, everybody at Maya shank racing didn't know but we didn't want to be taken you know necessarily as always being the underdog the pushover team and what people have to remember on that is when you go racing for a season that's partial season, you know, part-time, your crash damage bill is important. And there are times and have been times where we've had to bail out of moves to prevent um, crashing. Because if we'd have crashed, we wouldn't go to the next race. Mm-hmm. However, that slowly starts to change. And I, I didn't want to be the driver that was easy to get past. I want people to work for it, obviously. Uh, and as a team, I think they wanted to be taken seriously, you know, so I, I think that was really just all blown up a little more. I mean, you know, pretty soon after that event, me and Graham went for dinner in Carmel, you know, just to like, <laughs> you know, chew the fat, you know, and, and I would say more so this year, you know, Mark's in my relationship with his, with him has, has grown, especially since there was the interest, uh, you know, from the team and, I would say we've always got on well. I think that we've always had a good respect for each other. We've had a lot of, you know, close races together, uh, you know, even when, you know, we didn't know each other that well. And in terms of joining the team, I mean, he's been, he's been great. You know, I certainly got the sense that he was very happy that I was going to be joining. And I think he pushed, uh, you know, some of the right buttons at the right time to try and help that as well. And, 
like I said to him, I, you know, I want to, I want to share his workload. You know, I want to contribute to the team, whether it's in the simulator, sponsor events, etc. Um, you know, I want to be a proper member of this team. I mean, I want to be invested into the team and its performances and make sure that everybody, you know, can do the best uh, they can and we can because that's what it's going to take to put together a championship winning year, I would say. And you look at all these, uh, you know, the Ganassis, Penske's, Andretti cars, you know, they all have strong teammates to push themselves and push each other to make that happen. Um, you know, and certainly I'm I'm very optimistic on who ends up in the third seat. Uh, you know, and I just hope it's a great driver, you know, so that they can push me, I can push them and elevate the team, elevate ourselves again and, and whatnot. And, you know, really just move forward together. And I, I think, and I'm not trying to say anything out of term, I think that's what Graham was missing a little bit this year, just from conversations we have had. And honestly, what I've read him say in the media too, and, you know, I wasn't trying to, just fluff anything up i said to him you know like go and ask anyone i've worked with like i want to be a part of the team and i'm going to help and uh you know i think he he knew that and you know was excited to to get going but it, it is funny when you look back and you know even you know me and my parents and me and my manager get a kick out of it that you know after after texas i don't know how many people thought that they would have been seeing me in a you know an rll car uh you know but really there, there's been worse things that have happened on track and stranger things that have happened after that. So, uh, I mean, it was really a non, a non factor, but it, it did make good drama for a weekend. It sure did. I, I I'll, I'll say this. Um, I don't know that I, I wrote on it too much only because I think I, I kind of recognized a little bit that it was maybe getting a little blown out of proportion, but I also think we as, as IndyCar media love those moments. Not that we love to see, you know, guys crash, or get upset with each other, but I think sometimes we almost like don't have uh, maybe a say as as many of those moments as uh, you know NASCAR might, for lack of a better term, specifically in, in the the last handful of weeks. So uh, it's certainly exciting when you see that there's a little bit of tension. But I think at the same time, I think most of the time, or at least more often than not, when that does happen in IndyCar, it does seem like. Um, those are things that you know maybe get said in public in the heat of the moment and you guys are able to to iron those things out fairly quickly um because it does seem like most of the guys in this series are pretty tight with each other which is always good to see because you want to have you want to have that respect you don't want to see the you know what we see sometimes in some series with with drivers on track specifically almost looking like they're aiming to to crash another guy um but sure. uh, I guess maybe the the one question or last question I have before we get into some uh, some listener ones. The, this team is in the process of building. Uh, I think the last time I heard it, it's it's growing every time uh, I ask uh, Kathy over uh, in the communications department. I think now been quoted as 115,000 square foot uh, new shop in Zionsville for. Uh, Ray Hall, Letterman, Lanigan Racing to combine the the shops that they had previously in Brownsburg, uh, which still does exist in their um, IMSA sports car operation that I believe was in Ohio. Um, have you ch- had a chance to go over and uh, even just set eyes on that new site, even if it's certainly not anywhere close to being fully operational yet? Uh, I, I drove out there the other day 
just to just to see it. Honestly, um, I mean, it's a mighty impressive facility that they're going to be putting up. And um, you know, I don't like to say that necessarily them building a <clears throat> a new shop was a, a the shop itself. You're not going to a race team because they're building a new shop, but the intent behind the shop and where the team wants to go that was very appealing. Mm-hmm. And the investment that Bobby, Mike, David are putting into the team on a global scale in every department, you know, surely can't be ignored. Uh, I actually think Piers has hopefully taken me out there on Friday to uh, to see it and to, uh, you know, be able to maybe get a little bit of a tour on it and whatnot and, you know, obviously start going into uh, RLL's shop that they already have in, in Brownsburg. But, uh, I mean, it's a mightily impressive building. I, I actually thought it was 115 as well, so maybe that's the number that we should... Uh, we should settle on, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I think it's just uh, the level of intent, I think, behind everybody at Ray Hall, Lemon and Lanigan is incredibly strong and, you know, I'm really, really excited to be a part of that. And I would be, uh, it would be wrong to, you know, I had such an amazing time at my Shank race and I know we went into that probably on the last uh, podcast that we did. You know, and I am thankful to Mike and Jim and the hard work that everybody in MSR put in because without them, this kind of opportunity wouldn't wouldn't come up. And, um, you know, that was a, a really nice close to that chapter. In the same breath, I'm never going to underplay truly how excited I am and how thankful I am to, to, um, to Bobby, Mike, David and Piers for this opportunity, you know, not just in 22, but also beyond to go and have a good crack at trying to win this NTT IndyCar Championship. And, you know, that's the that's the goal. And we're going to work as hard as we can to make it happen. And there's a lot of a lot of people to be grateful for and grateful to from where I've been to where we're going. Uh, and frankly, I just I wish we were on track testing ASAP. I don't believe there's going to be any testing before Christmas. But uh, I mean, I just I just can't wait to get started. Now, I know uh, someone asked it, I believe, at the end of yesterday's uh, media Zoom to, I think, both you and Bobby. But uh, for our listeners, uh, I do want to go ahead and ask again, was the idea of being able to, you know, do some uh, promos around the uh, Jack Hy-Vee uh, moniker <laughs> did that play any uh, any role in uh, helping seal all of this for you? I know that was a, a something pretty funny again that we uh, weren't maybe necessarily yeah. expecting, uh, but was funny to see uh, everyone kind of take off with yesterday when all of this got announced in the morning. Yeah, I think there was some. Uh, I, I know it didn't play a role in anything. I think it would have been <laughs> hilarious. If it did, and it probably would have surprised me if they said, if Bobby had said, yeah, it made a factor, I probably would have probably not known what to say, in all fairness. <laughs> um, you know, but I, the, as far as I was concerned, you know, what, what car and what sponsors the team wanted to put with me, I was, you know, I'm very proud to represent because to represent the team is to represent the sponsors and ultimately represent everybody. Uh, you know, and I'm very proud that you're going to be driving the 45 high V Honda uh, seeing Hy-Vee's commitment to being able to bring back Iowa as a race, uh, you know, plus their expansion that they have already had with RLL. Um, you know, I was really excited. And then especially because one of the other 
sponsors on the car is my jack you know i thought it'd be funny <laughs> if it was my jack high v you know um so is my jack sticking around like, um i don't know mate I, I i don't know any of that it's just the, okay. the sponsors that they had this year on God, the I cars hope so. and whatnot and you know it just kind of uh it kind of fueled the uh what's the word i'm looking for the fun you know yeah. yesterday i guess and i think it was nice to see like you know, i may say like have, have a meme about it but you know just to see people really engage and you know be creative and things like that i thought it was fun um you know then my my, my sister ends up texting me a bunch of funny ones too and uh you know my girlfriend's dad's texting me like great ideas for some of them after they you know twigged on it as well and you know not that it, these things are never you know extremely like they're not serious or anything like that but and it is fun to be able to interact with people on a uh, on a fun positive way so um yeah it was just it was a good giggle and you know if if we're giving people great results and we're having a good time and fun time doing it then you know, I think that's what this is all about. There you go. Uh, actually, it leads well into our first question from uh, Kinzer Hazelhun on Twitter asks, uh, when, and, when and where will you make your first uh, Hy-Vee store visit if you have not already? Uh, I believe we have some things scheduled together for the start of uh, November. So, okay. uh, yeah, be really excited to go and to meet everybody. And, uh, you know, Bobby seemed excited for me to be able to be the high v driver so uh i don't know why i don't know why i seemed that excited about it it seemed like it was almost like it was a uh you know like a, an extra story there that i haven't heard yet <laughs> uh but no they seemed they seemed really excited and like i already mentioned that i'm really excited to represent a brand you know that is you know clearly very passionate about indycar racing and also everybody at rnl um you know and I had actually had a really great outing at Iowa the last time I was there. I think we had two seventh places. So yeah. naturally, we'll be hoping to uh, do that, but uh, obviously better again next time. So yeah, it's. Uh, I think there's going to be a lot of a lot of excitement in uh, across Iowa in general next season. So I'm excited. Jeremy Bullard asked this question. I know I saw asked a couple of times on Twitter yesterday, and I think I know the answer to it, but I'll go ahead and let you uh, answer it. He asks, um, did you have any uh, word on the paint scheme of the car? I know I think in the video or the promos that we saw yesterday, it was um, that black uh, high V, um, you know, primary livery car that we saw um, in, in yesterday's video content. Did I did I have a say in any of that? Yeah, or like, did you have like I don't know. I the I'll I'll say this. The way I thought I remembered is that like when Hyvee announced in in August, they actually had already released those three liveries for the car next year. Am I right? Like the white one, uh, the red, one, the sure. black one. I mean, that is uh, that is the plan. Uh, okay. You know, I think they may have already said something. I certainly had no impact on uh, on any of the design or livery or anything. <laughs> that we we actually just. It happened that they were getting a show car ready to take to high v right at the same time that we were planning to, to make the announcement which is how we were able okay. to even shoot with that car in the first place um you know just a you know happy you know mm, coincidentally timed moment really which was uh which was great and I, th I thought the car looked awesome you know i'd be happy if we raced that one you know all year round because i think there's something stealthy 
you know, about the, uh, you know, just kind of all black car, you know, clean logos, etc. And um, yeah, I, I was, I was excited. I, I've seen the other liveries. They look great as well, but the, uh, the black one would be my favorite one. That was, I, uh, I remember specifically from that press conference um, thing. I mean, obviously the, the big news was about, you know, the Iowa doubleheader. And, and I guess at that point we did get the official confirmation that Ray Hall Letterman landing and racing was expanding to three cars next year. But um, I remember seeing those liveries and immediately thought, man, those three could, you know, almost certainly next year make a run for, you know, potentially one of the best looking cars out there. I think that red one is, maybe somewhat similar to a paint scheme that Graham ran a few times this year, I think with a different sponsor. I'm not sure if it had ever been um, with Hy-Vee specifically, um, but the, you know, I, I loved all three of those, the, the all black, the all white, and the all red. I think those would be cool to see on the grid uh, next year when they roll out. And I, I know you guys will you know, certainly have some more sponsors, but I also really love it when you know, a car looks fairly clean um, you know, there's, it's not just like cluttered in all of these different sponsors. And I think it'll be exciting to see, um, you know, that, that clean, fresh, uh, brand new livery on the, the grid moving forward next year. Um, let's see here. We've got another, um, Ray Hall related question here from Matthew Mendenhall. I guess you've probably answered it in some ways, but, um, is there he asks is there any one thing that you're most looking forward to with this new team opportunity um and part two of his question asks uh does this move or alter your mindset for any personal goals in this series moving forward uh, i mean i'll answer the second part because i think that's easier kind of on top of my head not really you know my mm -hmm. goals for to be an indycar driver to be to try and compete for wins and then if you're doing that hopefully compete to win the Indy 500 and try and win the NCT IndyCar Series Championship. You know, I mean, when we've, we've set high goals, I've set high goals for myself so that when we achieve them, it's something that we're very proud of. And, you know, I, I feel like taking this step to RLL is going to help us achieve or help me uh, achieve them goals. Um, you know, and I guess the, the final part of that really is probably the biggest thing uh, to answer the first part of the question is I feel like the, the goals are mm, not necessarily more achievable. I, yeah, I, I feel like we're in a, a position now to try and achieve them better than where I was before. And I'm not trying to say that disrespectfully. It's just that's a sign of how much I believe in RLL as a team and what I think we can do together. And I think that the goals I've you know set myself are more more achievable now and you know we'll you know obviously in two years i hope everything's uh panned out well and um we'll see how it all goes but yeah i'm i'm really excited to get started obviously um there wasn't one one thing but you know probably the overriding factor was i felt like we could achieve our goals by making a change to rlo well think that's as, as great a place as any to uh to leave things at um barring any uh major news like you know roger penske selling the series or something wild i imagine this might be our uh last podcast of the year um uh but really Seems appreciate like a nice one to end on 
Yeah, so uh, it's been a, a a great piece of news um, to finally get to talk about a little bit more extensively. Certainly happy for you and, and excited to see what this um, three car team will look like next year. You, Graham, and uh, driver to be determined. Also want to thank um, all of our listeners for listening along this year, supporting us on Twitter, um, for sending us questions every week. Love getting to interact with some new fans on uh on twitter and and always love your guys participation that way and um also certainly can't thank you jack enough for uh for joining this year it's been a fun addition to the podcast and um uh can't you know feel like it's been a a great way to to chart uh an incredibly exciting indycar season through all of your own highs and lows that seemed like it kind of uh you know and for for better or worse, was um, you know kind of charted along how uh, rapidly changing and and always exciting this whole IndyCar season at large uh, was. So certainly thank you for for all the time and for uh, for investing in this and giving our our listeners a a way to really understand and uh, and explore the the series from a little bit more of a, a firsthand basis point. Yeah, man, it's been it's been a blast. You know, I. You know, want to get on again at some point that'd be great um you know guest appearance whatever sounds good to me but i think that's the thing is so many people love this sport and you know i include myself in that by the way that it's nice to be able to reflect on a weekend honestly you know and obviously you always try to be optimistic and positive but you know i, I like to hope that maybe people feel that they got a an honest answer with you know what was going on not just a pr you know, question or anything, and that's how I've always tried to be with with the media in general. Honestly, is is be honest. You know, there's times where it's been good, there's times where it's been bad, times where it's not been good enough for me, it's times where it's not been good enough from the team. Um, you know, and the complexity of having to make a big decision. Um, you know, it's really been actually very well documented this year on our podcast. Uh, you know, this is one of them times where it seems like a really uh very nice way to i guess do our final episode or last episode of this year let's say um with an accumulation of a lot of events throughout the year but actually with you know a, a pinnacle moment and that's obviously making making this change now so thank you for your time and inviting me to be on it thanks to all the one who's listened all the questions um you know it's been uh, it's been awesome and i'm glad to come on this journey and you know brought people on this journey uh, especially in what's been a big year for me in my racing career and, and also in my life so it's been uh, yeah it's been awesome all right um we will we'll leave it at that look forward to uh having you listeners um join back in this feed again next year as we get ramping up for another um i'm sure exciting uh ever-changing and somewhat surprising indycar season in 2022 but for now um thanks as always for listening to indycar weekly i'm nathan brown uh indy stars motorsports insider enjoy the off season